Good evening or good morning, depending on you're watching this, everybody. Welcome back to Hoops HD. I'm your host, Chad Sherwood, joined by the puppet David Griggs, still yeah. locked in the puppet bunker. Yeah, Chad, not only am I locked in here, there's no college basketball on right now. Oh, not for now. We're there's some more to come. We're not We're done yet. We got three games left. Uh, Matt Sikowski below him, below me without video tonight due to some uh, technical problems we were trying to work out is John Titel, uh, but you can all, you know, maybe go to a prior video, look at a picture of him and want yeah. to while he talks. Uh, but uh, yeah. uh, Joby Fortson might be joining us during the course of the podcast. Uh, he might not. Uh, who knows? We, we, we just got to make things up as we go along in this show normally. But this is our final four edition podcast, correct? Uh, it is. Okay. And uh, yeah, you know why would we why would we change the format now? We've just been making it up for the last eight years. Uh, <laughs> this is our final four podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the games that happened in the regional semifinals and the regional finals. Take a look ahead at the final four. Discuss other things. Uh, we are there's three games left in the college basketball season. We've uh, we've made it somehow or other. It was a hell of a season, but we did make it, and uh, we're going to have a champion crowned. Uh, we're recording this here on Wednesday evening. Next Monday evening, we'll have a champion crowd. Yep. I uh, think so. Hopefully. I'll cross yeah. our fingers on that. We've, we've almost made it. Uh, I should be pulling up, if it worked here on, on the screen, should be a portion of the bracket that we should be still got the West region, if I'm correct. Are we? Yep. That's what we're looking at. So all right. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, with all the craziness we had, honestly, in the NCAA tournament for the first two rounds, we almost got back to normalcy we'll talk about the uh, east region in a minute but we almost got back to normalcy in, the, in this round and uh john let me start with you here with what the zags did and how unbelievably impressive i thought they were in both their games this week yeah when you're winning by 15 plus points it's hard to be unhappy with your team um mark few i believe is second final four ever now and um yeah they seem to i don't know if they're getting better as the season goes on the defense seems to be in terms of holding USC and Creighton under 70 points, but um, I think they're the heavy favorites going into this weekend. Yeah, but Matt, I mean, I mean, they, they took care of Creighton. Then they, I mean, USC looked so good against Oregon, and they even had nothing against the Zags. <laughs> yeah, and even to go around back, look at that 85-51 uh, blitzing of Kansas, who, yeah, that was a Kansas. I think that was out of gas due to some COVID issues, but still a three seed you blitz by 34 points. And then you then beat an Oregon team who looked really good against Iowa the round before. And then all of a sudden, man, gets Gonzaga. Geez, that, that, they might as well bet a WCC team in that game. Yeah, Gonzaga, like, I, if you watch the Creighton game in particular, probably more so than the USC game, I remember thinking, man, Creighton is playing really well. And they're down 20. <laughs> like, and Creighton is a good team that played – well, and Gonzaga still blew them out. That That is basically all you really need to know about that. Uh, Gonzaga has yet to beat a protected seed, Chad, and they're not going to beat one in their next game either. And so we need to start the discussion. Is this Gonzaga team overrated? Are they? Do they just not play anybody? Uh, are they overrated? Let me ask the other question, John. Are they underrated? I mean, this, this, this could be the – I mean, they win it all. They'll be 32-0, and 0, which will tie the best undefeated – 32 and 0 was the best anyone's ever done in history. Uh, you know, I, I mean, are there people that are going to say there's an asterisk by the season because it wasn't a full season? Or is this legitimately one of the great teams of all time here if they could win these last two games? 
make an argument for uh, inclusion in the list of best teams ever just based on the fact that they are undefeated. They did play a very good non-conference schedule, and it could have been even better had it not been for COVID. Um, they certainly, as David pointed out, not beaten a murderer's row so far, but they shouldn't be blamed for that. They can only play who's on their schedule, so blame Luca Garza or blame Tony Bennett. I don't know. Um, no, they have to be in the discussion. That being said, like, could they beat 1976 Indiana? I don't know. And most importantly, nobody else does either. <laughs> Those guys are like 60 years old. I, I, I think Gonzaga would beat them. We would beat them today. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, they lost games due to COVID. One of the key non-conference games they lost due to COVID was Baylor. So, I mean, that yeah. could be the championship game here. So, yeah. uh, Th- That would be a pretty good story. But I, if there's an asterisk by this, there, there really shouldn't be because – When you go 32 and 0 and you win 31 games by double digits, which (laughs) you know you gotta wonder, are are they on pace to do that? Uh, It's the best. It's one of the best teams I've ever seen. The the other team that I would put up there with them is actually you all will all disagree because this team did not actually win the national title. Would be the 1990-91 UNLV team because oh my god that team was good. Well, Matt, you're shaking your head. I actually honestly would, would, would agree with David. I mean, that, that was the greatest team. I think that never won a oh. championship. That didn't no, win a that's championship. The one. I think no, that was a legit, really good team. I think they probably were the best team this year. I mean, the two that come to mind from this century are 2001 Duke and 2012 Kentucky. And you so too, I think yeah. Zag is right up there with both of those teams. And then, yeah, you go back to maybe 92 Duke. Yeah. Yeah, there were some great teams, but but you know, Gonzaga's not there yet. They got to get through two more games, and let's talk about who their next opponent's going to be here. If I scroll this down correctly, uh, we saw uh, what was it's kind of funny because last week we were, when we were doing our our Sweet Sixteen preview, we said the one region that looked like it was kind of had some sanity in it was the East region with a one, two, a three seed, and just one crazy team in UCLA, the eleven. And Matt, uh, sure enough, it was that eleven seed that played probably the best two games of the entire weekend and won them both. Yeah. That, especially after I mean, the UCLA Baba, that was a fun game. Oh man. And that yeah. you had the crazy turn with the Baba hit a 35 footer at the buzzer to take it to OT and then UCLA forgetting that happened. Like that normally would demoralize a team, especially an underdog. And they're like, Nope, we go, I think score like the first seven or nine points of overtime and cruise there. And after that, you think, okay, man, big emotional win. Alabama, one of the best teams this year. And then they go against Michigan, and nope, they still go. And I credit to Mick Cronin there that they kept the guys ready. And I know you played for Final Four, but an 11 seed that's already won, won three games, no, four games to get there. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're playing a one seed who's looked really good. Like they dismantled a good Florida State team this week 16. And all of a sudden that same team, they could totally control style, play enough defense. Johnny Juzang goes nuts. And here we are. McCrudden's in the final four. Yeah, 2020, yeah. 2020, 2021 for you. Uh, yeah. John, I want to ask you here. I mean, that, that, that championship, the East region championship game, I mean, a, a disgusting 51 49 <laughs> score, especially after how good Michigan had looked against Florida State and how many points you see. I, I didn't see a lousy game coming in terms of gameplay, although the finish was great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, kind of embarrassing for Michigan. I mean, I understand that when Isaiah Livers is missing, you can only do so much. But they had done so much against Florida State. That's why I thought they would not underperform like they did. 
give UCLA the credit. Matt mentioned it was the Johnny Juzang show. Um, it's not going to go down in history, I think, as like an all-time amazing performance, but he scored 28 of his team's 51 points and had zero turnovers. Like, it was a Herculean effort by Johnny Juzang. Yeah, this Florida State-Michigan game uh, was the only game, I believe, in the Sweet 16 that featured two protected seeds. I don't know if that's – this is why I miss Talika. I don't know if that's ever happened before or not to where there was only one. But it was also arguably, and maybe not even arguably, the lousiest, most boring Sweet 16 game out of all of them. Uh, there were some pretty bad ones. There were a couple of clunkers this year, honestly, David. But, uh, I mean, I think, you know, we – honestly, other than UCLA's two games, we had a, quite a few clunkers in these last two rounds here. But, uh, but you know, there is Mick Cronin, David, though, who could not get – out of the second round when he was at Cincinnati. Uh, here he is, new school, a couple of years there, a couple of tournaments, and boom, right there in the final four. Yeah, and playing really well at the end of the year. It, this was a team that was on a rampage coming down the stretch last year. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say this year they were, they were going the th- wrong this way. Year this year they were not. <laughs> this, this year they sort of backed into the tournament. They didn't have any momentum coming in at all, and it looked like w- – were they down 10 or something in that – in that opening round game against Michigan. More than that, like they're down like 14 or 16 at some point. Yeah. The, the first four, the first four game yeah. against Michigan state. Yeah. 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 Against Michigan state. Yeah. So like about, about 10 days ago, this was not, this did not seem at all possible, but what a run they've been on. And uh, you know, it's, 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 they've been second, as fun to watch as anybody. Yep. And the second first team to come out of the first four to make the final four, obviously VCU, the very. Yeah. Making history. And I went back and looked this up, Chad, uh, out of all, uh, you know, in 27 years at UCLA and all the national titles that John Wooden won, never won a first four game. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So UCLA is in the final four. Let's kind of slide over here a bit to the Midwest region, which was the region that we thought was the chaotic one where we had in the Sweet 16 round an eight seed an 11 seed, a 12 seed, and two seed Houston, who uh, it's still yeah. painful and, for me to see that Houston should, yeah. shouldn't even been there because of Rutgers. But yeah, 10 uh, seated Rutgers like had a lead, Chad. Did, did you see that? Chad? Uh, uh, how, how they had a lead, Chad, but, and, and lost it in the round of. I mean, well, that well, could have well, been Houston. That could have been. I mean, that could have been Rutgers in the final four, Chad. John, let me start with, start with you first of all on, on the top game there. Don't you or, think, John, that Rutgers could have got to the final four? David, you're lucky the buzzer I didn't have set up today because I'd be. <laughs> but, uh, but John. The job that Wayne Tingle did at Oregon State in this Pac-12 with an NCAA tournament run, uh, and I didn't think they had any shot against Loyola, and they looked great in that game. It's incredible, too. Like, as, as, as amazing a run as UCLA had as an 11 seed, like, give the 12 seed some credit here because I didn't have them winning a game, much less three games, much less coming within a few points of making the freaking Final Four. Like, I mean – I still don't know how they did it. Like I know it's defense and they hold teams to 35% shooting and the zone and everything, but like, I still, I still don't believe it. Like, I don't think they're better than any of the teams they beat, but they beat them. <laughs> if you had told me uh, on the beginning of selection Sunday, Monday or Tuesday of selection of, of selection of championship week, that I'd be looking at a bracket with Oregon state in the elite eight and almost in the final four, I would have laughed at you because they weren't on anybody's radar for a tournament team. It, it's ridiculous what happened here. Yeah, uh, it is a little bit of trivia here. Uh, they are only the second team I believe in history to be seated below the, uh, 
below the bubble, so outside the bubble, th- that made it as far as the well, elite. I, I'll disagree with you a little bit there because technically, if you look at the final seed list for the NCAA, uh, Drake, who was an at-large bid, was was listed below Oregon State. Oh, they were. Yes. Yeah, so okay, yeah, actually, we're correct. Uh, the, the other the other team you were referencing, two thousand two Missouri, uh, wasn't no, at-large. No, it was Loyola Chicago. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, but, but, but Missouri was not below the bubble. They were selected as an at-large. Right. Uh, but so that, by definition, they were yeah inside the bubble. Matt, the Houston Cougars are in the Final Four after beating a 15 seed, a 10 seed, an 11 seed, and a well, 12 seed. Four double-digit seeds. The easiest path by seed numbers to the Final Four in history. Uh, yeah, they, they, they had a fortunate oh, road, although I will say <laughs> – to, to give you credit, to give you guys credit, Chad, I think I would have much rather played Clubs than Rutgers in the second round. Uh, after, I, I agree with you. Rutgers was a blocker. But, but after that, no, no West Virginia, no San Diego State, no at Syracuse, and then even that avoiding Loyola, who I think legit really good Loyola team. That unfortunately, all the shots they were making in that against Oregon State, the, 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 there was a lid on the rim in that game for Loyola. So there you go. You get Oregon State and. They pushed away after cruising much of the game. All of a sudden, that game was tied late. And then I I guess I give you some credit. They showed the courage not not to let that affect them, and they won the game. But I am just now noticing for the first time that they had beaten four double-digit seeds. Wow, that is amazing. That's probably more amazing than anything. I mean, mean, again, John would never beat four double-digit seeds. John, how good is this Houston team? Really, I mean, do we do we still not really know, even though we're in the Final Four? I mean, I think there's an argument to be made there. <laughs> there's a good argument to be made. I mean, I still don't think they could have beaten Illinois, but obviously, it doesn't matter now. Um, as to how they're going to do, like it depends. If the team can play defense and get 19 offensive rebounds, like they did against the Beavers, anything's possible. But then again, like I don't know how replicable that is. I mean. Marcus Sasser scored 20 points as a 6-1 sophomore and no turnovers. Is that replicable? We'll see. Well, they are in the Final Four. Their opponent is a team that just came off of one old Southwest Conference rivalry and goes into another one. Uh, The Baylor Bears, here's the normalcy. It's the second best team in the nation all season right behind the Zags. They Struggled a little bit, I guess, Matt, with Villanova for a while, but eventually put them away. And then uh, and then uh, for a while there, I didn't think they were going to be playing Arkansas. I thought they were going to be playing Paul Roberts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll credit Jay Red for Villanova. He he got that game to a snail's pace in that 50, uh, 57 possession game. But Bailey survived it. Very good second half. They got to the rim, even though they're three for like 19 from three. They got to the rim. And then eventually their talent athleticism took over there. And then I thought actually a really entertaining elite eight game against Arkansas Oh, and that, but they had, I think good, had a little bit superior talent in that Jared, Jared Butler was awesome. Davion Mitchell was awesome. And there we go. I'm glad, I'm glad they're in. Cause I said, they've been this good now for two years. So I think they deserve a final four based on how their quality of team the last two years. David, would Florida Gulf Coast took a was a fifteen Andy Enfield's Florida Gulf Coast team as a fifteen seed made it to the Sweet Sixteen? I believe Florida absolutely crushed them in the in the uh, regional semifinal. Uh, yeah. th- th- is, was th- this was I believe the greatest run by a fifteen seed in history? Just how close Oral Roberts came. It, it really was. Uh, both te- the the one thing that they had in common with the 
uh, FGCU team uh, was that they were both just so much fun to watch um, for different reasons. You know, the Dunk City, which Dunk City, if you remember, I don't know if we were doing under the radar yet or not, but that that sort of came about late in the year. Uh, they, they didn't really they, they sort of changed how they played as the year went on. Oral Roberts always been a team that liked to let it fly. But this was a run that started well before the NCAA tournament, they were the four seed in their conference tournament. So, and in four, and in two of those games, they were the, they were the lower seeded team, uh, you know, beating South Dakota state was, was a pretty big surprise winning the conference tournament against North Dakota state, a pretty big surprise. And then this was just astounding and they almost beat Arkansas. They really almost did it. And it, I mean, I mean, they had a lead for pretty much all of that game. It looked like, they were going to win. Even when Arkansas went ahead with about two seconds left, they had an excellent look that would have, you know, had the shot gone down, they would have won. What a run for an Oral Roberts team. And I, I kind of, not nothing against Arkansas. I did kind of hate to see it end because man, this team was fun to watch. <laughs> Just to it, see them win and play one more game would have been great. It, it was a 12 point win by Florida over Gulf Coast back. When, when that, when yeah. That, game, it, that was... game had a moment. If you remember, I think, mm. Florida Gulf Coast jumped out to like an eight or a 10 point lead. I think it was like 11 to one or something. Yeah, they, like that. They, they jumped out 11 nothing to start the game, and that was the yeah. end of it. But uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, we're, we're but for a minute, here. yeah, we were all like, is that, is this really happening? <laughs> but, but we said, is this really happening for the entire game here, Jijana? Yeah. Well, what about this? You know, the, uh, Baylor gets by Nova, gets by Arkansas, gets by Arkansas. They're off to the final four now. Yeah, deservedly so, like you said. Um, I Arkansas is a solid top ten team, I think, across the board. But they had they were losing the whole game, and Baylor was in control. Macy Oteague, a game high twenty two points and no turnovers. Seems to be a common theme that it's not just teams getting great individual scoring, but also guys not turning the ball over. Baylor only had nine turnovers against the Razorbacks, and I think that was a key to their big win. It was, and now we set we set up like if I get the centered here and up a little bit, uh, we've got our national semifinals coming up here on Saturday evening. Uh, Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor against Houston. Uh, let me run through each of you here. Your thoughts on both of these games, uh, Matt? Let me start with you. Well, I'd say again, Gonzaga, UCLA. <laughs> I said in our email thread, if this game's within, I would take uh, Gonzaga about twenty five points or less. <laughs> I think it's going to be a route because. As fun as this UCLA run is, at some point it's going to end. I mean, and that and Gonzaga, like, especially like they'll take this game seriously. Look what they did to USC, who was consistently, really, pretty consistently, really good all year. They drilled them. UCLA, they're having this amazing run, but they haven't been this good all year. So I think, yeah, Gonzaga should win comfortably. UCLA, as much as they'll try to slow the pace down, Gonzaga, you can't slow them. Even like, they played an almost 70 possession game against Virginia. That's unheard of. So you can't really slow Gonzaga down. And I think they'll drill him. The other game, I think Baylor Houston, that's interesting in that. Yeah. You still have some be able to uh, offensive rebound because Baylor doesn't play a real big lineup. They'll need vital and full Thamba and Chachua, Chamo Chachua to be good on the boards. Cause that's what like Houston, they get one shot and a lot of times they get a second and third shot. So. It's not the prettiest offense to watch, but it's effective when you get that many looks. I think Baylor will ultimately come out, but yeah, that, like I said, Ken Pop has it as a one-point game, and I can see that being a one-point game. Well, John, I think if 
UCLA or if Houston wins either game, either one of those teams will be a major upset. Do, do you agree with me? And do you, do you think we will see either of those upsets? I would go so far as to say, like, I think right now the biggest upset of the tournament is Oral Roberts over the Buckeyes. But I would argue that UCLA over Gonzaga would not only be the biggest upset of this tournament, I think we're talking like maybe <laughs> since Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, how can you – I understand like UCLA is good and if Juzang goes off for 28 and if Timmy gets in foul trouble, like I can figure out 10 scenarios, but they all need to happen. So I think it would be an upset of monumental proportions, which is why I'm not picking that upset. What do you think about Baylor and Houston? So this one has a little more of a chance for a couple of reasons. One, Kelvin Sampson has been to a Final Four, albeit 19 years ago, and Scott Drew has not. Secondly, as good as Baylor is from three-point range, 41% number one in the nation, they are below average from one-point range, 70% free throw shooting. If it's a close game late and they get the wrong person on the line, I could see it biting them in the butt. But again, it would need to be Houston playing a near-perfect game and Baylor stubbing its toe multiple times. David, do you see UCLA or Houston winning? I could, I'm not going to pick either one to win. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think Gonzaga is just going to blow out UCLA. And that's more of a testament to how good the Zags are than, than anything else. Matt made a really good point about what a good offensive rebounding team Houston is and how Baylor, while a good defensive team doesn't, I, I could see them struggling on the glass, but I still think Baylor wins that game. Um, it might, I mean, I mean, when I look at these, I, I, Houston and Baylor is, it should be fun to watch. It's an, you know, in-state foals, old Southwest conference rivalry. But I mean, when you look at this, this isn't sort of a clash of the Titans. I, th- I think both games have the feeling of being mismatches and as great as, a lot of the tournament has been, it might be a, a rather boring final four. I think the championship game would be really exciting. Well, but, let, let, uh, let's go, let's go right to that because I think we all four unanimously agree that we're going to see Gonzaga and Baylor on Monday night. So David, yeah. let me start with you. I'll go backwards to the three of you this time. What do you, what do you think happens Monday night? Zags win it all, Baylor wins it all. I, I think that there's a COVID protocol and the game gets shut down. And uh, okay. You forget it. You're getting shut down, John. <laughs> The Zags should win the game. I picked Baylor before, and I'm sticking with them only because of history. Like, the Zags should win. They're a better team. Great coach who's been there before. But there's a reason that the other great teams since 1976 have not won it. So I'm going with the Bears. Matt? Yeah, I'll go with Gonzaga. But actually, I think John has a great point. I was thinking the same thing. Like, that's where history might come in if you think about it in that game. On that, the one, though, is I think Baylor doesn't play a style that's going to affect Gonzaga. Where like if you had someone like say even like Villanova has like a healthy Colin Gillespie, something like that where they you want to slow them down, and that and if it's a lower possession game, you can maybe see it. Hey, whatever Gonzaga has some bad shooting, Nova hits a bunch of threes, something like that. Whereas I think against Baylor, Baylor will play with their style. So I it'll be probably a game in the low to mid seventies possession wise and a lot of scoring. So in that case, I think ultimately Gonzaga's talent wins out. But I can see that. Yeah, with history of looming, I could see that. Uh, it'll be a close game because Baylor's also really good. But ultimately, I think Gonzaga does pull it out. You know what I personally yeah. – I, I did pick Baylor to beat Gonzaga in my 
my personal bracket. Uh, I've changed my mind since then, the way I've seen Gonzaga playing. Uh, I think the Zags do make the history this year. But David, do you want to give us a real pick in the game? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I'm going to go with Gonzaga. And one of the points that I would make is that this is a little bit of a different type of NCAA tournament. You talk about what the atmosphere is like at the Final Four and you, you know, deep into the tournament and how some coaches have been there, others haven't. Well, this isn't going to be like that. They've all been there for about four weeks now. <laughs> The, the scenery doesn't change. The courts don't change. It's going to look the same. It's in a football stadium, but it's in a corner of one and it's going to be empty. It's not going to be like the fan zone with the, with the concert stage and the big screens outside where there's, you, you know, 60, 70,000 people in the game and about twice if as many, if not more outside watching it. A lot of the distractions and the hoopla that surrounds the final four simply won't be there because you can't get into the hotel unless you're in the bubble. So I think that that's far, far less of a factor this year. And because of that, I would pick Gonzaga anyway, but I think the best team is just going to ultimately end up winning and that's Gonzaga. Well, that is our predictions here for the final four. I do want to discuss a few other things real quickly. First of all, uh, let's pull up the NIT bracket. It, was done it was completed uh no games canceled uh memphis uh david Debley, they were your pick actually to win the nit when we did our, our picks a couple weeks ago so y- you nailed it yeah and um i liked how they were playing at the end of the year i thought that they were playing good enough to where had they gotten to the ncaa tournament which they nearly did uh you, you know lost to houston not once but twice in very very close games that this was a team that was good enough to win a game in the round of 64 and maybe who knows, uh, go on a run of their own, but this is a really good Memphis team. Didn't do quite enough to make the tournament should not have been selected, but had they been able to play their way in would have potentially been dangerous because of how good they were at the end of the year. And I think Penny showed me a little bit more coaching towards the end of this season, actually, that, that, yeah. uh, that, that he had shown in the past. Like we know we can recruit, but, uh, yeah. but Matt, Matt, I, th- I think he's shown a little bit of coaching won a tournament. I mean, that's big. Yeah, no, I was like, I think things were looking good. And then, unfortunately, today's buzzkill that both Boogie Ellis and DJ Jeffries are transferring. Oh, right after. Right. He'll, he'll get two more top draft. Top yeah, I think it's the one. Yeah, I think he <laughs> found something that they sh- should probably you know, build some momentum here. And they're like, and I think Penny puts it all along. He's been a good defensive coach, but now I think the offense started to come along with it a bit. And that'll be the key for them because. At some point, especially if you want to be a top 15, 20 team, you got, you got to be good on both ends of the floor. Uh, also, a quick shout out here to a couple other teams. Uh, first of all, Pepperdine wins the CBI title. Uh, nobody cares, but it did happen. A yeah. uh, couple other champions I'll share a shout out here. Division two, Northwest Missouri State. Uh, NAIA, Shawnee State. Uh, Division, State yeah. d- uh, Division three did not have a tournament. However, their top two teams who both went undefeated top two rated teams, Randolph Macon and Trine decided to play each other on the final day of their season uh, in a quasi national championship game. Randolph Macon won. So Randolph Macon, call them your D three champion on the women's side. You had Westmont winning the NAIA title, Lubbock Christian winning the D two title, Cleveland State winning the WBI. Did you even know there was a women's CBI at WBI? Yes, Uh, I did. Price winning the WNIT and, uh, Mr. Titel, I got to bring you back in here. I'll bring it up on here. The women's final four is set and a team that you have a little bit of rooting interest in is mate is the big surprise team in there. It's three, one seeds and my lady Wildcats. It's really been amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say that I followed them for the past 10 years because frankly, 
three years ago, they were six and 24, finished 11th in the Pac-12. And I thought that the coach was going to get fired. And somehow Adia Barnes turned it around. She won the women's NIT in 2019, finished 24 and seven last year. And are now in the final four for the first time in women's history. Obviously the men made it a couple times and won it in 97, but uh, Ari McDonald is amazing. She's faster than everybody on the court. She scored 30 plus points in back-to-back games. I don't think she can beat UConn by herself. And frankly, I think we would need her to because I think UConn's going to destroy us. But in a season and a recent history of the men's team underperforming, to say the least, it's great to see the women doing great. I'll tell you what, there's a UConn team is there very controversially. There's a very controversial finish in their game against Baylor uh, where there was, you know, multiple fouls that were just not called, uh, you know, but um, – but UConn, Baylor, and uh, I'm sorry, UConn versus Arizona, Stanford versus South Carolina. Those are the women's semifinals coming up Friday evening. The championship game will be on Sunday. Uh, but on that note, I guess I want to run through any other final thoughts. And uh, John, I know you had a picture you want to show also. I don't know if you hit your points already, but I'll, I'll throw your picture up there too. <laughs> I did, but as long as we can get a little uh, Final Four celebration, I'm always happy to get that. As far as the final thought on the men's side, um, it's been exciting to watch. There have been several stinkers recently, but um, as Matt said, the Alabama game was amazing to see them make three to tie it and then blow it on free throws in overtime was painful, but still exciting. Um, the Oral Roberts story was amazing. UCLA making the far is amazing. Um, and Gonzaga continuing to just mow down everybody in their wake. So um, it's Gonzaga's tournament to lose and we'll see if they can get it done. All right, Matt, I'll pull down the Arizona Final Four celebration and go to you here for your any, any other final thoughts. <laughs> well, this is one not only to the tournament, but my own celebration, seven years in the making. Shaka Smart is now the Marquette head coach. And that, and I think, interestingly, the road to get there, it didn't quite work out at Texas because I'll be honest, if it was going great at Texas, he would not be Marquette's head coach. But I think at the same time, a fresh start, basketball for a school, there's still, I think he's still a pretty big name in the sport. Still enthusiasm for him, and I think man, listen, Marquette fans haven't been this happy since the uh, 2013 Elite Eight. So, uh, f- finally, this is hopefully the road back to being at the top of the Big East. And man, it's, it's everyone for everyone is happy to be a Marquette fan again. The apathy is done. Matt, Matt is the happiest he's been since Tom Cream was head coach at Marquette. Uh, yeah, <laughs> David, trying to finish out the show. Well, I I think it did work out at Texas. They got a three seed. They got a protected seed. Uh, they won. They, they won the Big early. Twelve tournament. Yeah, but yeah, no, no. yeah. And um, you, you know, I think that if he was pushed out the door or nudged, then that was entirely their fault. It kind of reminds me of Cincinnati doing that, and boy, did that work out well for them. So anyway, I don't know uh, who Texas is going to go. Or oh wait, did they hire somebody yet? Uh, unless they've done the last like not that I've heard or something. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, it was. I, I, I hope they go after Chris Beard because I want Chris Beard to tell them no. Uh, so anyway, uh, anyway, my final thought is, I, I was glad to see that they got the D two tournament completed. It looks like we're going to get the D one tournament completed. The NIT also completed. Uh, the women's tournament completed. So as hard as it's been and as much has been asked of the players and support staff and the coaches to essentially be under house arrest during these events, uh, they're going to get them in. And, you know, uh, I, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but the fact that they got the tournament played is probably the story as much of a story of the tournament as any upsets or deep runs or anything like that. So 
um, for the first time ever. I always hate to see the day the countdown clock goes up on the site because it means the season's over. I'm very much looking forward to seeing that clock this year, Chad. So get it up as soon as you can because it's the countdown to normalcy. Look, come on. We have three very important games left, David. The yes, yes, Saturday that, night. We have our yeah. national semifinals. We have the championship game Monday night. We will come back next week again with one more show uh, yeah. to wrap everything up Tuesday, probably next Tuesday evening. But on behalf of David Griggs, a box where John Titel should be. Matt Zikowski, I'm Chad Sherwood. Thanks for joining us. Have a enjoy the final four, everybody. We'll talk to you again real soon.